0: Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com, drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on today's episode, Adam Burrish and I look back on Patrick Kane's 1,000th NHL game on Tuesday night in Dallas. We also look at the one-year anniversary of the sports world pausing last year, plus we're joined by Brent Seabrook, who announced the end of his playing days last week, diving into his incredible career the heart-wrenching decision, and more all coming up right now on Blackhawks Insider presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive.
1: Hey, Blackhawk fans, your local Chevy dealers have an opportunity for you to score big. Are you ready to win an autographed Patrick Kane Chicago Blackhawks jersey? Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and register right now. You can't win if you don't enter. Take your best shot. Why not? Someone's got to win number 88's jersey, so it might as well be you. You must be 18 years or older to register. Go for it. Wear what Patrick Kane wears and drive what Kane and Taves drive. Offer ends March 31st.
0: Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum back with Adam Burrish. We had to fill in with uh, with Patrick Sharp earlier in the week when we talked to Patrick Kane, a very special uh, interview with him ahead of his 1,000th game. But it's good to have you back, and it's good because we get to now look back on what was Patrick Kane's 1,000th game on Tuesday night in Dallas. Uh, the game itself may be a little more forgettable, but something I know that he will never forget. Uh, an, an all around incredible accomplishment from him what did you see from uh from the game and um just the the moment that it was for for someone as special as number 88
1: yeah the game was probably average um but it's a, it's a neat uh accomplishment and, and as a player when you get to be at a game w- whether it's a guy on your team or another and it's his 1000th game You appreciate it and you respect it uh, because it's hard 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 to do to play that long and get that many games you got to be on you got to be healthy it's hard and there's uh, you can google it sometimes i i did it a couple years ago when brent seabrook hit his thousandth game how many players have done it And it's a pretty small number that have actually played a thousand games in the nhl um so pretty 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 incredible accomplishment and Kaner keeps picking off all these milestones and and records and 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 accomplishments, but uh, it was it was fun it was fun to watch and fun to see him get there.
0: There was a nice uh, a nice tribute from the team as they took the ice for warmups. They did the old uh, I don't know if if you had this when you were growing up, but the like the soccer tunnel, the soccer parent tunnel yep. as You're coming off the field yep. normally. The players did that for him as he was coming on the ice for warmups. Uh, a, a cool moment from him, and you could really see the smile on his face, you know, kind of right there. I'm sure he liked to be kind of in his own head, focused on the game at that moment, but uh, his teammates not letting him really uh, breeze past that one. And and a second he stepped on the ice, you knew it was a, a special night for him uh, all the way around.
1: And you, and they kind of panned the crowd. There was a handful of Blackhawks fans yeah. with Dallas allowing some fans in the building. There were some fans there, but yeah, as, as a teammate, yeah, you want to do something special and and, and make it, different. And normally in a normal season, um, you know, I think back to, you know, I think it was a two years ago now when Brent Seabrook hit his thousandth game, you have a dinner with the guys, uh, with your wives and families and a get together, uh, the team does a big celebration and uh, with not being able to do that, I guess the teams, you you got to get a little more creative now and find ways to do it. And the stick tunnel was, was one way to do it as he skated out. But um, like Patrick wanted um, and like the Hawks will be doing, uh, they'll do a celebration once everybody can be back in the building. And I'm, I'm sure he'll have um, time to celebrate with his friends and family then. Um, but so to uh, a creative way to have some fun with the game and have some fun with him, uh, right before the game got started.
0: Yeah. A wish from, from Patrick himself, he said, you know, we don't, I don't want to have a big ceremony or recognition of this until the people who, uh, truly should be a part of it can be there. And that's, that's all the fans, a fully packed United center, whenever that can happen down the road next season. Um, whenever that is, but uh, a cool moment from him to recognize that this isn't about him. It's, it's about those fans. And I mean, Burr, I know you, you played with Kane for many years and and you've watched him from afar, even since, do you have a a favorite Patrick Kane play moment uh, memory, uh, on the ice? And uh, I'm going somewhere with this, but I'm just curious off the top of your head, if you have anything that sticks out to you as the, uh, quintessential Patrick Kane moment.
1: Uh, for me, it would just – it would have to be the overtime game winner in 2010 to win the Stanley Cup. Um, that would probably be number one for me. Um, I, but, you know, to go back all the way to the start, I remember, you know, guys sitting around the locker room when the Blackhawks picked him first overall. He went through training camp. Some guys wondering, is he going to make the team or not? Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward to where he is now. But that was the truth, and that's what guys were th- – and Kane even talked about that too at, at one point saying, yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure right away if I was – you know, I was a small guy. The game was still – a little bit bigger and bigger guys playing. It wasn't, you know, if it, it, it wasn't today's game back then. And so guys would sit around the locker room like this kid we picked first overall. he's really amazing and he can handle the puck, but is he going to play? And training camp was going on and it was a debate in the locker room. Um, but then to see where he is now. But for me, I, I think it's probably that that overtime game winner uh, to win the Stanley Cup. Are you kidding me? Scoring an overtime game winner to, to clinch the first cup for the Chicago Blackhawks in 50 years, Pretty, pretty memorable moment.
0: Pretty memorable moment. I mean, there have been a lot. The spinoramas, the no-look passes, the countless game winners and playoff situations. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, uh, I mean, you can head over to Blackhawks.com right now if, if you're a fan and uh, pick your own. I mean, the the 2010 Cup winner is a, a number one seed in what we're calling the Elite 88 bracket over on Blackhawks.com, trying to find the, the best Patrick Kane memory uh, or play or sequence uh, it was not easy to get the list down. I can tell you that. But uh, the the twenty ten Cup winner is is a number one seed for a reason uh, in that bracket and uh, a, a cool moment. So the rest of the week, uh, I think from now through March fourteenth, uh, you can go go vote on your own and go look back over some of those great moments. I mean there's there's truly some incredible plays and uh, even as soon as this year that that goal in Carolina the Spinorama no look kind of backhander which you know he touched on on, on Monday when Patrick Sharp and I were talking to him he, you know, Sharp asked him about that goal and he goes yeah you know I kind of missed it I, did, I didn't really hit my spot and it's like come on like you you don't play like <laughs> yeah. that and you're upset cuz you you missed your spot I mean just the incredible talent on on Patrick Kane. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But uh, a, a fun there, and I thought it was funny the morning of the game. Jeremy Carlton uh, kind of joked with the media. He's usually, you know, little little tongue in cheek. Little he's very straightforward at times, but he can crack a nice little joke every now and then. Very um, very dry delivery. He said, you know. I think you might have a thousand more left. I mean, we, we talked about it time and time again. I don't know if he has another thousand games because that's an incredible taxing toll on the body, but uh there's there's a lot of games left for number eighty-eight as well.
1: Yeah, if I was talking to a couple guys last week about him and how how good he's playing right now and maybe the best he's ever played. And if you're one of these guys likes to sit around with your hockey buddies and, and have a debate, how about is would you would probably take Patrick Kane today over Patrick Kane five years ago or 10 years. I think he's playing that good. And can you name another player in the NHL that's played 10 or more seasons that you would take today as a player over that guy 10 years ago? I mean, you go down the list with, you know, Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Stamkos, Drew Doughty, Brent Burn, any, any of these superstars in the league. Um, it, it'd be tough to say they're playing better now than they were five, seven, eight years ago. And Kane, gosh, I, I, I think he's better today it's incredible that he keeps getting better and better. And when Jeremy says he could maybe play a thousand more games, that's because he's probably playing the best he's ever played. It's incredible.
0: It's funny because not that a thousand games is, you know, the beginning of the end or, you know, you're on your decline all the time, but it seems like by and large, a thousand game milestone, like you said, is, is very much a, Wow, look at the incredible career so far. We had so many great memories ahead of time, but you nailed it. I mean, he's still making plays and, and playing his best hockey. I mean, a 1,000 games for Patrick Kane, he's just hitting his stride. I mean, it's something you really can't ever point to uh, another instance or two around the NHL of something like this. He could
1: be, he's gonna, he will be in the talk for MVP season. Yeah. You know, and he's been in the talk the last three or four years. Every year, um, as a potential MVP candidate, could he win a scoring title? I, he, he probably could still. Um, he's second, who knows? Right now, so he's yeah. he's second, so he could win a scoring. It's incredible. Yeah, he's. Uh, you know pick, I don't think you can find another guy in the league like that.
0: Well, you know, talking about legendary careers and um, truly looking back, uh, since the last time you and I spoke, obviously Brent Seabrook um, uh, announcing that he simply can't play anymore. His body has been through. So much in you know, three grueling surgeries over the last you know fifteen months and trying to work his way back. Uh, he announced last week, you know, his body just can't continue anymore. That's gonna be it. Um, he's still going to be, uh, you know, around the organization a little bit here and there, but he's going back home. He's going to get to focus on, you know, becoming a dad. And uh, we'll get to hear from him a little later on in this show, but I just wanted to get your your quick thoughts on, um, you know, as we talk about Patrick Kane, continuing to ascend in his career in the same breath you have another uh, team icon from the last 15 16 years who uh is is calling it a career on his end just your your thoughts on on Brent Seabrook and we've talked about it just the the sheer workload he's put in throughout his entire career several times on this show but um knowing now that it's it's officially over
1: yeah i mean he'll go down as one of the greatest blackhawks ever um I, I, what if not for me, certainly the best teammate I ever had. Uh, generous, giving, caring, fun, energetic, positive guy uh, that you just wanted to be around. He was. He had a contagious personality, had a contagious work ethic. He pushed you in practice. He was tough. He was mean in practice. He made everybody around him better. Um, he was a guy that never had a bad day at the rink. And you have bad day. A lot of guys have bad days and he he wouldn't allow it almost. He would just bring it out of you to, to have fun and, and to have a great practice and to have a great game. He talked more than anybody in the locker room uh, before games to, to make sure everybody was ready. Um, he helped young guys. He let guys live in his house. He let trainers live in, in their houses if they were in between homes. Uh, he let prospects that were in town for a week-long camp use his cars, use his house, um he was an incredible teammate and you would be hard pressed to find a guy that that uh, that played with him that wouldn't say he might be the best teammate I ever had. Um so just incredible and then you talk about why he retired and his body given up he he's downplays that too how trashed his body really was and his his hip grinded down to the bone and no more cartilage in his hip and um he played it plays it down now and he played it down when he played. We had no idea if he was ever banged up or hurt, because he was just always smiling, always positive, and he played as hard as anybody. You know, you go back the last 10 years in the Blackhawks, anybody that, that played hard, and there's a lot of guys that you could think of that were tough and, and blocked shots and played hard, he played just as hard, if not harder than anybody, and you never heard about it. You never heard about nicks or bruises or injuries that he had. He just grinded right through them. And I'm thinking back now. Oh my goodness. I never, you never saw him with an ice bag on limping around after a game or spending much time in the training room. He just grinded away and grinded away. And finally, like he says, his body, his body told him to screw off now finally. But, um, you know, for a guy that played that long and that hard, um, just to that level of consistency is pretty incredible.
0: The term selfless, I think, is epitomized yeah. in in Brent Seabrook there. And, I mean, you touched on it. I was looking back earlier today over his 15 NHL seasons, you know, his first – his rookie season, you know, he played, I think, in 60-some games, you know, probably getting a, a scratch here or there as he's breaking into the league. But from that – from his second year onward, basically through the point – of the 2019-20 season where he said, look, I've got to go take care of these three surgeries. It's it's just not happening anymore. He never missed more than four games in a season. There's a lot of 81, <laughs> 82 uh, clips in there. He never missed more than four games in an NHL season playing over 1,100 games, just the wear and tear on that body. and I mean, he touched on it. When he was coming back last summer, you know, in training camp before the team left for the bubble, he kind of, he explained everything that he was going through and he couldn't get down and play with his kids on the floor. He couldn't, he could barely get out of bed in the morning. This was before the surgery. And then after the surgery, he was feeling better, worked his way back. And then the final kind of, the final sign, you know, he told the media last week was, you know, right before Christmas, he was training, he was working out, he felt great, he had, you know, just a normal day and woke up a random, you know, Monday and couldn't walk and could never really get it back after that. And it's one thing to give your all on the ice, but when it starts to affect your livelihood, your ability to be a parent. Burr, I know you're a father now. When it starts to affect that aspect of your life, absolutely, I think the right call to be like, look. My my body's telling me I can't do this anymore, and you know there are for as much as hockey's ingrained in Brent Seabrook, and how as much as he loves going to the rink every day, there are just bigger things in life that that you have to worry about.
1: Yeah, you, you can't live like that, and um, you know, and, and you know the, these things just didn't pop up either. I can guarantee you, there was times in in two thousand ten or thirteen or fifteen when you think back of him scoring these big overtime overtime game winners, I can guarantee you he woke up some of those mornings struggling to get out of bed, struggling to, to play with his kids in those days too because his body was so beat up, but he never told anybody. He never said anything um, because he said, I'm a warrior. I'm going to get out there and play, and that's how he was, and he showed up at the rink every day um, with such a great attitude, um, and that's what I think is so incredible that this – while this – you know, it, it finally came on and it reared its head for him, uh, he grinded through this for a long, long time, and like you said, to play 80, 81, 82 games every single year – uh, I I didn't know that. I figured that, but it, I, as a player and, and players all across the league, you know how hard that is to to play all eighty
0: eighty two games and get to. And he didn't play a light style either. No, it was heavy <laughs> as could be. Are you kidding me?
1: And then and then add in right this team playing deep in the playoffs every single year. Those games don't those don't count in what you just read off. So there's a lot a lot of hockey games you throw in the Olympics, you throw in World Championships that he was doing. Um, man, he was a warrior. He
0: was a warrior and. I think the best quote he had um, last week when he was speaking with the media was he said, I, I wouldn't give it up for the world. I wouldn't change a single thing. He loved every moment of it. Uh, he's excited about this next chapter of his life. We'll talk with him about it later on in the show. Uh, a great conversation with him, but uh, truly nothing but the best for, for Brent Seabrook. I don't think we've seen the last of him um Around the organization in some form or fashion, whether that's coming back to a couple games a year or anything more, but you know he said he's going to focus on his family, his time with them right now, as he should. Um, and he he tells us a little later on, you know, he's going to get back to being a dad because that's you know it hasn't been able to be his focus for so long. And so um, it, it's great for him. And um, you're really, really excited for, for what's to come for Brent Seabrook because it's, he's more than earned it. Yep. Looking back, uh, getting back to the current team right now and, and the action at hand, we talked a minute ago about Patrick Kane's thousandth game and uh, the game itself, a, a little lackluster, um, but I just want to get your thoughts here and, and we won't spend too much time on this, but You know, you have a a strong series against Tampa Bay. You're up three nothing on Sunday. You you kind of let the wheels fall off on that one. You get in some power play or penalty kill trouble, I should say. You drop a six three game to Tampa. You go into Dallas, you have a six one loss that night. And I I want to get your perspective on this because it seems like this team has been fighting for so long and and just really punching above their weight class in, in some of these games to put up some results. Jeremy Colleton kind of describing it after the game on Tuesday of you know the decision to scratch Ian Mitchell specifically for a game uh, as well, just kind of give him a break as a rookie. But he said we just wanted to give him a break, and it might go hand in hand with with our performance tonight. He said he went on to say our young guys have continually answered the challenge and answered the bell when we've been pushed. And he just said, I don't think we answered the bell tonight. Um, I I wonder, Burr, if this is kind of a – just almost a lull it's a it's a time where some of the fatigue is starting to catch up it's important to maybe kind of recharge the batteries here in the middle of the season and um you know come back out fighting because the back half of this road trip you have games in dallas as we're sitting here on on thursday afternoon ahead of the second tilt in dallas you go down to florida you face tampa bay again it's an important stretch and i think it's important for this group to kind of you know recharge real quick and, and get back out there because i think Especially in the last, you know, five or six periods, maybe starting to see a little bit of that fatigue start to come in after an incredible five-six week uh, run here.
1: Yeah, I, I know coaches don't like they don't like to let players use that excuse. We're tired. Uh, coaches, you know, players complain about it. Hey, we're tired. We're practicing too much right now. This year would be as we're playing games. Feels like every single day. But coaches don't like to let that excuse creep in um it's a factor it certainly is but everybody's kind of playing in that same boat this year where it's just games 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 um, so could it be a little bit of fatigue yeah but i mean think about any any team you're going to have a stretch you're going to have a stretch where you've got some tough matchups where you're going to have a little lull you're going to have some guys nicked up or banged up and that will that will get better in a week or two and you'll get you're never a 100% in the season but you're getting back to 70 80% um, and so they may be in a little funk like that right now where they've got some guys nicked up and tired and sore and, you know, some part of their body hurting a little bit. And hopefully they push through that. But um, and keep in mind, you're playing, you played Tampa and Dallas, two teams that were in the finals last year. So two teams that, again, will compete for a Stanley Cup this year, certainly, I, I, I believe so. Um, I think it's just a lull, and I think you can dissect it and read into it a whole lot, but it's getting back to playing they were is what Jeremy's telling these guys, and we have a pretty good formula here right now that everybody's bought into, and we're in a little lull right now. Let's snap out of it and let's put a few together, and then that confidence comes back pretty quick.
0: Well they have a chance on Thursday night in Dallas as I said we're recording this on Thursday afternoon by the time you hear this that game will likely be over the team then heads to Florida Tampa Bay faces Florida again back home at the United Center a big stretch of games as we talked about last week uh, so it will be it will be uh, important to see how the team kind of bounces back kind of grinds through uh, you know whatever whatever the mental funk or whatever is right now but uh, it's it's a big learning opportunity for some of these young guys to kind of continue to fight, continue to, to climb that wall, scale that, uh, scale that wall and continue to build and, and get better. It's, uh, it's been a great last few weeks and it's going to be fun to see how they, um, you know, fight, fight this adversity again, a couple off games and just bounce back from that. But, but I want to sit here, you know, it's Thursday, March 11th as we're discussing. Uh, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge what, uh, one year ago today was, and that was the last regular, uh, I guess, sense of normalcy at the United Center. The Blackhawks, San Jose Sharks, playing, uh, you know, playing a game while the world around them is is starting to deteriorate. The NBA, you know, canceling their season or pausing their season. The NBA or the NHL came out a day later and paused their season. And I just wanted to kind of maybe peel back the curtain a little bit and and maybe take fans inside that night. I mean, what do you remember about that game and just there was a lot of ins- uncertainty around what was going to happen, uh, what what the next few days held, not only for the season as a whole, but for for life in general. And I mean, now we know it uh, here a year later. You and I are still recording this podcast, but we haven't been able to sit in the same room together to to do this in a year. I mean, what do you remember about uh, about that game that night, uh, and just kind of everything that that transpired as we look back on on the last year?
1: I I, I got to be honest, Carter. I. I don't really remember. It feels like it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying I, I'm pretty certain I worked that game on TV. And um, the, the thing that I remember is how awkward the interviews were because um, yeah. players were, they were being asked the questions about what's going on and they had no clue. And they were saying that they were getting questions. Do you think the season's going to get canceled? Is it going to get called up? I remember awkward interviews and us having to talk to players, and just how uncomfortable it felt because nobody knew what the heck was going on and what was going to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, all of a sudden, some media wasn't allowed to be in the rooms. Uh, but that it feels so long ago. I don't know about for you, yeah. but it feels like a long, long time ago. The specifics, I, I I don't remember. But the one thing that stood out to me was how awkward uh, interviews with players felt because nobody had any clue what the heck was
0: going on. It was a six two, I believe, win against San Jose that night. And you're right, every every media interview after the game, I don't think there was a single question about the game itself. Yeah. And it was it was very surreal, very awkward. Even the next day, I mean, I think, you know, I remember walking into the office and just not really knowing what the day held because you know, Gary Bettman and the NHL said, you know, after the after the Blackhawks game that night, basically like you know we're going to reassess this in the morning we're going to see what's ha- what's happening the nba had already said you know we're pausing the season altogether it just it was a very surreal moment and uh you know it's 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 nice to see that I think we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to come back out on the other side of this. I think, obviously, it went on a lot longer than maybe a lot of us thought, and definitely would would have hoped so. But um, there there is at least some hope. There is things slowly start to return to somewhat normalcy, um, and and hopefully we we get there. Um, we're we're closer to the finish line, definitely than than we are to the start. But uh, I at least wanted to to pick your brain on that because yeah. it's it's something that's kind of just circulating around the the sports world uh, today and yesterday, and I'm and I'm sure tomorrow as well. Well, we'll send it over now to uh, an incredible conversation, Burr. I know you know someone who's very close to you. Um, Throughout your career, you mentioned just the impact he had on not only the locker room, but Brent Seabrook. Uh, an incredible conversation with him, a, a, a very candid conversation. You can kind of hear it in his voice, and even in the background, the, the next phase of his life has truly started. Yeah. As he's he's outside, you know, with his kids, as we're talking to him, and you can kind of hear him screaming and being excited. I mean, he hadn't got to see his family and. A couple months here. They they stayed back in British Columbia when he came back for training camp and to start the season. Uh, just a, a great conversation with him. Very very open, and um, you you can kind of hear a little optimism in, in his voice for uh, the next few months to come, and just the excitement of of getting back to being a family man.
1: Yeah, it's a fun conversation.
0: Well, we'll send it out to Brent Seabrook. Joined now by Brent Seabrook and uh, Brent. First off, it's been. Five six days here since uh, since Friday the big announcement. I know it's kind of been in your mind for days leading up to that. That uh, you know your your career is over. There's your playing days are done. I'm curious, what's the reaction been? What have the last few days been like? Just getting to kind of decompress from that moment. I'm sure you've heard from many former teammates, players around the league. Just wh- what what have the last few days been like for you uh, as things kind of wind down in, in your playing career?
2: Uh, Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great. You know, I've had a lot of support from a lot of people. Some people uh, I didn't expect to get some calls from or or text messages. So Uh, that was pretty neat. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been different, but uh, looking forward to the next, uh, next stage and, and uh, yeah, just being home and being with the family and becoming a dad again. And Um, It's been a while since I've seen everybody, so it's been uh, been nice getting back.
1: For me, before we kind of dig into it, um, we've talked about it on here before, but for for people that that don't listen all the time, and Carter, for you, Brent was without question. I played 10 years. Number one best teammate I ever had, and I don't want to speak for everybody else that played with Brent, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy that wouldn't say the same thing. Um, A class act teammate generous with his time, generous with his knowledge, uh, always a positive guy. Probably the one guy I played with that I can't think of too many, on one hand, bad days that he had at the rink. Um, So a guy that for me, I looked up to, I think everybody he played with would probably say the same thing too. So thank you for that, Brent. And um, when you think back on your career, then what are you most proud of? I know it's a general question, but um, I know you're a guy, three cups, we know all the accolades, gold medals. What are you most proud of? yeah i don't know i I
2: think just being part of the the team and and that culture in chicago i think uh coming in there um you know our first couple of years burr it was uh it was different than it is now um you know we we, uh couldn't fill the building and and to be part of the group that uh you know sort of brought back the roar and, and got the united center rocking again and i mean the success we had and and all that uh all that stuff, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm most proud of, of being on that team and being part of uh, part of the team that, uh, you know, brought that back. I, I think, you know, like you said, I, I had a lot of great teammates, a, a lot of lifelong friends that I made, and, and uh, you know, it was just, uh, just
0: a lot of fun. You've seen the full spectrum. Uh, I mean, what is it like kind of looking back over that journey from what the building, what the team was like when you started to, where it is now i mean how how kind of surreal is that
2: well i've been watching the last uh well this season i've been watching it uh up in, in the press box with, with i think there's a hundred people in the stadium so with all this covid stuff so it's uh it's a little better than that back then we had about six 000, seven thousand fans in the building but uh <laughs> no it was uh li- like i said it was really cool to to see that I, I, growing up all i wanted to do was was be an nhl hockey player and um, you know, uh, you go to different buildings around the league and stuff like that, and it was exciting. But in Chicago, it was, you know, I was just happy to, to be in the NHL and, and, and proud to, to be putting on that sweater every night. And, you know, once, once, it, uh, once it started rolling there, I think we were all blown away at the response we had and, and uh, how much success we had, but also, you know, the fan base coming out and, and just really making that a tough building to play in. Uh, I talked about a little bit last week. I think, um, you know, they pushed us to be great. You know, Chicago sports fans uh, are passionate and, and uh, you know, they're hard on their team. They want to win and, and they want to win. And, and I think uh, they pushed us to be great. And uh, you know, we could feed off the crowd. I remember some games when that building was just rocking, you could just see, you know, wave after wave of, of guys jumping on the ice and just having great shifts and, and, and building momentum and, you know, we had had some games where we were down and in the game and you could just sort of see the tide turn and it uh, it was uh, it was rocking in there. It was it was a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, the fans in Chicago are great. Um, you know, so it was, uh, it was one of those things. It was a lot of fun. When
1: I when I think back to, to playing with you, um, you know, you, you think about the toughness that you had. and Grit and the grind, uh, the overtime goals, but probably the thing that stands out is just you are always positive. And people don't, that aren't in the locker room, um, the leadership, the positivity, the the way that's contagious to everybody you play with. Where did that? Where does that come from? Or what was your mindset every day to go to the rink? And you never, it never seemed like you had a bad day. You just loved being there. It was contagious. You cared about your teammates. What, what was your mindset every day going into the rink?
2: Uh, I think you just nailed it. It was the best. It was awesome. I, I love being at the rink. Uh, I love competing with my teammates. I, I loved, I love the grind, um, you know, traveling, the travel we had, things like that. The circus trip, you're, you, you know, you're on the road for, you know, seven days, four, or seven games, 14 nights. And, um, you know, days that sucked, they sucked, you know, like they, they were hard days You'd get in at three in the morning and you'd have a game the next day. And, and uh but we all did it together and i think that was that was the 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 great part about it you could get to the rink and you know somebody could be having a good good day somebody could be having a bad day it was it was tough but you know the training staff uh equipment staff you know they were all there with us put in longer hours than we were i mean those guys don't get thanked enough and and i always appreciated what they did for for us as, as a, uh, as a team, but, uh, our teammates, we just, uh, it was just being there together, going through those moments together, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and the amazing. And, uh, that was, that was part of being a teammate and that was part of getting up every morning, just being at the rink. I just loved being around them and, and having fun and joking around and it was, <laughs> it was fun and, and we, we had a great time and, and, uh, you know, like I just think that like that's that's what I'm going to miss the most is is competing and and skating out on that United Center ice but also being around the boys and and uh, just having that uh, that us against the world mentality and and having fun and and just doing our thing. Can you give us a little give everybody
1: a little insight as to what you were going through the last two years? What your body was telling you? You and I have talked, but. Can you give everybody a little a little insight into what your body was telling you the last couple of years and kind of where you're at now?
2: Yeah, I mean I think my, my body was is what it is. I mean I told it to to screw off for for a long time and it finally turned around and said, Yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, screw you. <laughs> so um, you know, it, it is what it is. I had some stuff done last year and I thought it was gonna alleviate some some pressure and some stress on my back and, you know, doing my shoulder, my, my shoulders felt, uh, felt amazing. And, you know, shooting the puck even the last couple of months has been uh, been a lot better. It just my hip wouldn't do it. And, uh, you know, I got an x-ray there 10 days ago now and then seeing the x-ray, it just sort of, you know, was an eye opener and, and uh, um, yeah, I'm just going to try and manage things going forward and, and, uh, and try and try and live the best life with my kids and coach them and have some fun, do some skiing and, and just, uh, just try and get that going.
1: Do you have a, uh, if you had to pick a favorite Blackhawk memory, do you have one? Do you have one thing that says, man, that's that I'll never forget that one moment.
2: Um, oh, did she? Okay, well, I'll fix it in a sec. Okay i'm just on the phone can i can i just give me a sec yeah that was all my stuff okay um favorite blackhawk memory i think uh well i think we've made a lot burr you know Um uh, yeah. but uh i don't know if i have a favorite one i think uh i think looking back now i, I just it put me on the spot uh <laughs> I, I think uh i think in 2015 when uh when we were able to hoist that cup in, in Chicago in front of our fans, I think that's something I'll never forget. I think, uh, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, there was nothing like it. I, I know that like, the parades were great, uh, amazing, uh, Soldier Field down in, uh, Grant Park and right in the city of Chicago. That was, uh, that was pretty neat on, on Michigan Ave there, but, uh, you know, being able to hoist that cup, uh, for the first time, Taser got it from, from Gary Bettman. And, and, uh, we were able to, to raise that and, and to hear the United Center. I mean, we've had a lot of great memories and a lot of great moments at the United Center, but, but doing that in front of our fans was, uh, was pretty special. Um, and that's something for sure. I'll, uh, I'll never forget. And uh, I mean, as far as memories goes, I think just was competing with those guys. I think we, we, we had a lot of moments where we were down and out, we were able to find a way. Um, we had a lot of guys step up at different moments, um, you know, and then just the process of of playing uh, playing in the playoffs from start to finish. You start in in October and well, I guess September. You start training camp, and then you're you're grinding you're grinding all year, and and uh, the end result uh, is down the Cup, and and you have a lot of ups and downs and different moments throughout the season, and and uh, yeah, I, I think could we'll probably talk all day about memories that I've had, but it's just a
0: few. When you talk about the city of of Chicago, I mean, you mentioned last week that it, it really is like a second home for you now. what is that? What is that development over time of not only a place where you play and you play for the fans, but a place that you raised a family in and you not only give back your time – um to the city itself you know time wise but also mon- monetarily wise i mean what do you what does the city itself uh mean to you and, and how special has that been to, to kind of grow that relationship over the last 15 16 years
2: yeah it's been it, it's been incredible chicago has been incredible to me and, and my family and um you know just being able to to do lots of different things there i think uh i've met a lot of great friends outside of the game and um you know, lifelong friends that I'll have, and and I mean, Chicago's got to be one of the great cities in the world, and, and uh, I was able to call it home and, and play for play for uh, the hockey team in Chicago, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun, and and uh, just a great city
1: uh, all around. We had some fans write in and ask, you know, what's next for Brent Seabrook? Is he going to be around next season? We assume hopefully the fans will be back in the building. Will, will you be around? Will you come to games? Um, I know you're going to be, you're in BC now, back home. Uh, are we going to see you around, Seabsey?
2: Yeah, if they'll have me. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to be be around. I think, uh, you know, for now I'm I'm going to enjoy my family and, and uh, become a dad again and, and, and a husband, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to doing all that kind of stuff. And you know, that stuff will come out in the wash in the next couple of months. And then I probably reach out when I'm ready to to the organization and see uh, see how I can help, and and uh, if I can help, and and uh, we'll just sort of go from there. If not, uh, I know I think I know the ticket guy. Maybe I can sneak in there and get a ticket, or and uh, all the security guards down below, so maybe they can can slide me in but uh, we'll see and and uh yeah we'll just take it uh one day at a time and i mean i'm enjoying uh, i just told my wife actually i'm like oh there's a hawks game at 5:30 tonight in bc time you know so i'll be watching the games and and the boys are playing well and and uh it's an exciting time
0: i'm sure Kirby owes you a favor or two, right Yes, i would be able to help you up with some yeah.
2: tickets. I mean, yeah, I would hope so. I don't know. I mean, I mean maybe you can get me a game pass to come down after the <laughs> game, so I could say hi to the guys or something. But yeah, I, uh, I've learned all the ins and outs of that uh, downstairs there, so maybe I can sneak in and ask Kirby for a uh, for a ticket.
1: When you when you announced your retirement, uh, I know you went. You, you had wanted to go see a game from the United Center, and you wanted to sit in a box. Um, and you went and did that what, what was that emotion like what did that feel like for you sitting up there uh, you had just announced your retirement and then you wanted to go back and, and make sure you saw a game from the united center sitting there what, what, what were those emotions like yeah
2: well i pushed the flight back to tuesday i wanted to, to watch the last three games against tampa and um you know doing everything on friday there i, I wanted to watch the game and just be up there. That's what I miss. You know, I miss, I miss it already. Not, not being around the, the guys and and not being around the team, but uh, it's uh, it was pretty cool. And, and after the first, the first intermission, they, they put that video up there. I had no idea they were doing it. So it's a good thing. I wasn't in the bathroom or something like that. But uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was cool to, to see the boys all looking up and, um, you know, don't get his little bash brother arm pump thing there. And, caner was looking up and all the boys and, and it was really cool tampa bay they they all stood up and, and banged their sticks and it was just sort of a, a a neat thing obviously uh not the same without fans you know i think just some of those moments you know we're gonna see caner's thousand game presentation probably the next time they're in chicago and it's gonna it's gonna suck without fans because that's really what makes it and, you know even watching the games it's a totally different feel and I know the players are are doing their best and and really, really grinding and working hard, but the fans make the game and I don't think it's uh, any more apparent than it is, you know, this year and in the bubble last year, when you don't have fans in the building, it's it's definitely a different atmosphere and, and and different, but uh, yeah, no, that, that that moment was cool. And and the Blackhawks, I mean, they do a great job with, with all that stuff, their, their media staff and putting things together and doing all that. So it was, uh, it
0: was great. One last thing before we let you go, and I, I can, I can already hear the the next you know phase of your life in the background as you're hanging out with the kids and uh, you know getting to enjoy that aspect of it. it. It's it's a really cool element to hear. But before we let you go, I have to ask you I have to put you on the spot one more time. I mean, what's the best story that you can share of Adam Burrish that you can share? I feel like I feel like, I feel like that's an important prerequisite. Uh, that you can share?
2: <laughs> well, I learned a lot from uh, he was our event planner when, uh, when we were playing together and uh, it was, uh, you know, every party was set up, everything was set up and I sort of took that role on after him uh, among a few other guys that were, were doing lots of stuff. Taser was taking it and all that, but uh, I, I think I guess one of the great stories I could tell is, is, is not really a story that nobody knows but, but all that crap he used to do with uh, the pranks and you know, I don't know if anybody saw the breakfast one. I don't know if that was uh, televised, but <laughs> what did you 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 ordered breakfast for
1: you took for can and taves. Taves.
2: Like, yeah, you took their, their the tag off their door. They had it for like nine thirty, you wake up, breakfast would, would come like every hotel has, you have that little ticket you can fill out. You want eggs and bacon and orange juice and coffee, or whatever. And they filled theirs out nice. And you guys took theirs off and put it on your door. And you put one on theirs. I think you ordered everything on the menu. It was like three or four hundred bucks. Yeah. And you put it for like six o'clock wake up call. So Kane and Taves had a nice six o'clock wake up, somebody banging on their door for breakfast. And they had no idea what was going on and their breakfast didn't show up at nine 30 and, Sharpie and Burr were sitting in that room eating uh, eating Kane and Tave's order. But, you know, I was thankful enough to have a lot of great teammates. And, and Burr, you were definitely one of the best. And um, I've got a lot of great stories uh, with Mr. B and, and lots of great memories. And, uh, you know, I don't know how, how many I want to share on air. I like keeping those in-house. But, uh, yeah, just the kind of teammate he was. He was a great guy, great man, and, and uh, lots of fun to be around.
0: Well, a, a truly incredible career, Brent. I know you'll be missed by not only the city and the fans, but your your teammates in the locker room as well. Uh, we wish you you know, nothing but the best as you start the next chapter in your life. And we we absolutely hope to have you back at the United Center um, whenever you want to come back. I, I, I know we were joking earlier, but I don't think you'll have a problem getting in the building uh, ever again.
2: I can call you for a tip.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh-
1: all right, sounds good. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you were uh, you were without question the best teammate I have Brent. And I think if you're a young player and you're listening or you were watching, you play the last fifteen or sixteen years. You're a guy that that any player should look up to, and I know does look up to. And right. you want to do it the right way, do it like Brent Seabrook did it. And proud to call you a good friend and a good teammate. And thanks for everything you did in
2: Chicago too. Sounds good. Thanks for the beat Thanks, Carter. I appreciate it. it was a lot of fun and and. Uh, my memories of Chicago will be with me forever. So
0: That will do it for today's episode. For Brent Seabrook and Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive.